Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Okay, I had a client one time uh, doing counseling, and this lady was one of the most wonderful best ladies I've ever known. Okay, I mean, she was fabulous. She was beautiful. She was kind. She was honest. It, one of those, one of those kind of ladies. You can just look in her eyes and know this is a wonderful, authentic, honest, true, loving person. Okay, and her life was absolutely falling apart. And it was heartbreaking. And she had one issue, at least one significant issue, all right? Reading. That's right, reading. Um, she loved, or, or, or maybe I shouldn't use that word, love. She had a habit or addiction to romance novels, okay, and and she and for the most part she didn't read the real the real you know kind of slutty ones. She she didn't like those. Um, she liked more the um, you know the uh, Prince Charming on his white charger and the fair Southern Belle in her big hoop dress, you know, that that sort of thing. The the clean ones, the you know, the ones that were just you know, great great simple for the most part clean love stories. Okay? And uh she was not addicted to drugs or alcohol. She didn't lie, she didn't steal, she didn't cheat. She worked hard for her children. She worked hard in her marriage with her husband. Um, I mean, it was really difficult to find anything wrong with this gal other than that one thing. But that one thing was 
ruining her life, her health, everything. Okay? It was amazing. Um, There's a couple of things about that. Um, One, it, it made her out of balance. It was almost like every free minute her head was in a book and she was reading these book these stories rather than interacting with people okay and then the second part of it is that she had read so many of these things that the line was kind of blurred in her mind and thinking between fantasy and reality and she almost sort of without meaning to expected her her relationship with her husband, her family, um, the the financial realities of her particular uh, family and her particular husband's job, which was not an extremely high-paying job, and 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 that sort of thing. Okay, so the in other words, those books, the tr- the the truths of those books started to bleed over into expectations. For, for her life, and her life couldn't measure up to the books, okay? And so um, she became, even though she kind of bit her tongue and didn't say anything about it, she kind of became quietly and secretly dissatisfied with almost everything in her life and, and more and more became in, enmeshed in the books. Okay, I had a male client during my counseling years <laughs> who, who was basically, um, pick your addiction. He had them all, man. He, he, was, uh, he was a pothead, a self-confessed pothead. That's what he called himself. Uh, he drank fairly heavily, uh, said, man, I like to drink. It's legal. You know, I don't drink and drive. You know, I'm not doing anything against the law. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not a mean drunk. I don't beat up on people. Um, you know, the pot mellows me out, etc. Um, he was addicted to uh, pornography. He was addicted to uh, sports, which is an addiction I've had in my life in, in the past. Um, man, just pick it. He was addicted to... Um, bad eating, um, bad drinking, I mean, very unhealthy, overweight, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, but he was a good old boy, and, and most people liked him, okay? And he would he probably wouldn't have hurt a flea, okay? But his whole life was falling down around him based on these more typical things that we would call addictions. And and I have experienced everything in between those two clients, most of them more moderate than those two. Those two are kind of extreme. But even, even on those two, even the lady who you had a hard time finding anything wrong with, her life was falling down around her because of her habit, her one single vice that I knew about, uh, related to reading books. Okay. I've never known anyone with a significant problem in their life 
for a period of time who did not have a destructive habit or addiction. I've never known one, okay? There are two, uh, so, so that's your first homework this week, is when you go out to pray and meditate, list your habits and addictions. And it can be, it, a, a, a destructive habit can be something you don't do. Like, I don't take out the garbage when I should or without being asked. Or I don't help with the dishes. Or I don't do this. Or I don't do that. That are things that you believe you should do. It could also, of course, be things that you do that you believe you should not be doing. That are destructive to yourself, other people, your health etc. And the same with addictions. An addiction can be something that you do that you shouldn't or that you don't do that you should, like like stopping smoking, okay, or stopping some other destructive habit. Okay, there's two causes to every bad habit, addiction, or vice. Number one, to diminish physical or non-physical pain which would include boredom. Boredom, especially for those people like me who are kind of an ADHD personality, uh, boredom can be a big one. You know, nothing's really wrong, but I just, I just, you know, I've got three hours here, nothing to do, and, I'm, I'm, and, and that's when I get into trouble, okay? So um, n- number one cause, to do... To diminish physical or non-physical pain, which includes boredom. And number two, to increase physical or non-physical pleasure, which includes a solution to the boredom, even if, if it's one that's not a healthy one. It, it makes that time go by with something pleasurable. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, the first thing I've got to say about this is that I am guilty, okay? I still have habits that I struggle with today that um, I'm I'm getting better. Thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm probably still not where I would like to be, but thank God I've made progress, and I'm still making progress. And I say that's fine for you, too. You don't have to be done with all this tomorrow. You don't have to be perfect tomorrow. Just be making progress. You're you're rarely staying statically in exactly the same place. Almost always you're either headed in a little bit more healthy direction or a little bit more destructive direction. Just try to be headed in a little bit more healthy direction, okay? So I am guilty, but to all of you, ladies and gentlemen, And to me, because I probably need this more than anybody, here's my statement about seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, which directly lead to destructive habits and addictions that bring down our life, our relationships, our health, etc. Ladies and gentlemen, that's five-year-old stuff. That's five-year-old behavior. That's five-year-old thinking. That's five-year-old beliefs. That's five-year-old stuff, okay? We're supposed to live by our seek pleasure and avoid pain, stimulus response belief system and programming 
until about the age of five or six, until we know right from wrong, we know better than to put our hand on a hot stove, we've developed some language skills so that we can learn that information that we need to learn about this is good, this is not so good, this is the best way to do this, don't do it this way, this will hurt you, this won't hurt you, okay? That's about the age when we get to that spot. And when we get there to five or six or seven, somewhere along in there, it's not exactly the same for everybody, from then on we are built and, de and designed not to live by our seek pleasure and avoid pain mechanism, but by what we believe is right and best and most healthy and win, 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 win for everyone concerned in the present moment. So the place that we get off track is when we're living as a five-year-old, even though I'm 45 or 50 or 55 or 60 or whatever. Habits and addictions are love substitutes. And love substitutes block you from real love, the real thing. Why? Well, you ever seen a, a marriage relationship where one of the uh, partners has a bunch of addictions? Oh, let me tell you, you probably couldn't choose any more direct route to divorce or separation than that addiction. It absolutely destroys the relationship. Okay? So choosing the love substitute prevents you from experiencing real love. We've talked about this before. There's three kinds of belief, and, and belief always points us to love. The True belief always points us to love. False beliefs always point us to fear and are, and are wired to our stimulus response, pain, pleasure, programming. Okay? Well, there's three kinds of belief. De facto, placebo, and nocebo. Placebo is when you believe that the sugar pill is a miracle drug, and so you take it and you feel better for a while. All right? The typical placebo effect is about 30%, and it's usually temporary. All right? Meaning that uh, your cancer doesn't go away. You just might, the pain might feel better or whatever. All right. There have been studies in placebo that are really not testing placebo. For instance, they did one study where they told people that this sugar pill was this new miracle um, high-grade natural organic morphine that was, you know, way different and way better than the old addictive destructive morphine, and it just absolutely eliminated migraine headaches like a miracle and like we've never been able to do before. And they gave it to people, and sure enough, a significant percentage of them had their migraines get better or go away completely, all right, which is, sounds like classic placebo. The difference is when they actually went into the people's brain 
to see what is happening in the brain that is causing the headache to go away, what they found that absolutely stunned them is that the brain and nervous system had actually produced a natural, organic, high-grade of morphine-like substance that they didn't even know existed until then. Now, that's not placebo. That is the actual mechanism in us that was activated by the belief that this can happen, and it did happen. But that's not placebo. That's de facto. Placebo is when you're believing something that is absolutely not true, but it gives you a little bit of a positive effect. Nocebo is when you believe something that is true is not possible. And so your wrong belief blocks a positive from happening about 30% of the time on average because you don't believe it's possible. De facto is when you believe the truth, the whole truth, from all angles, and you get maximum positive effect. And it is the one that is over 90% effect and consistent and long-term and can cure cancer and can cure diabetes, can heal relationships, can make you more successful than you've ever dreamed of if we can just get, if we can just believe the truth in love in the present moment all the time. Okay. De facto love leads to happiness and health. We've been talking a lot lately about the Harvard study. $20 million, 75 years, the most significant study of the human condition in the history of mankind that found happiness equals love. Well, that's not placebo love or nocebo love. That's de facto love. That's the real thing. So de facto love directly leads to happiness, and it directly leads to health. That's the Denmark study that was on the front page of USA Today where they found that, that, that uh, harmonious and peaceful relationships versus stressful and disharmonious relationships makes a two to three hundred percent difference in whether you will get a terminal disease and die by middle age or have a two to three hundred percent less chance of getting a terminal disease by middle age. Well, again, that's de facto love. That's that's a relationship where you're experiencing living, believing, and acting in love. Okay, our problem is impatience. When it comes to destructive habits and our pain-pleasure mechanism, the problem is we become impatient. And we believe, I can't wait for the right, perfect solution to my pain or lack of pleasure. One body of evidence of this is, is the studies on instant gratification, which is basically 
impatience versus patience. And one of the ways they test this is they'll they'll tell a child or something, okay, you can have one piece of candy right now, or if you wait for 10 minutes, you can have three pieces of candy. All right? And then the older the person gets, the more sophisticated the bird in the hand versus two in the bush kind of kind of thing. And what they found consistently for 50 years or more is that instant, gra instant versus delayed gratification is tied to every measure of health, success, happiness that exists. Higher SAT scores, making more money, being more happy in your relationships, being healthier, living longer, you name it, instant gratification gets you the best I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Delayed gratification gets you the best of everything. Instant gratification gets you the worst of everything, based on the studies. The way I like to talk about it is that we have a wrong goal. That anything in the anger family or impatience family means you have a wrong goal. You have an external expectation that Dr. Dan Gilbert at Harvard, based on the research he did there, says will put you into chronic stress and kill your happiness. The Harvard study says love equals happiness. All right. Dr. Dan Gilbert, also at Harvard, a psychologist there who wrote a best-selling book about this, says that those external expectations in the future kill your happiness. Well, that means they have to be fear-based. If they were love-based, they would equal happiness. The, the other study done at Harvard, but they don't. So the wrong, having a wrong goal and being impatient takes you away from what you want most. It literally creates failure in your life. And if you're not failing, it will cause you to fail. If you are failing, it will cause you to fail worse. And here's where the rubber meets the road. This is, the, this is kind of tying up the loose ends today. When we develop destructive habits and addictions in order to seek pleasure and avoid pain, we are believing either nocebo or placebo. We are believing that we can't be patient we can't delay gratification because either we are not right spiritually, which means we're living under cause-effect, we're living under law, not grace, or we believe that there is no spiritual reality, which means our only hope is cause-effect or law, which means to manipulate and to create my own solution to pain or the pleasure that I desire. Or we believe that the spiritual route, the, the route of grace, will take too long. So I'm either not in right relationship spiritually so I can't count on the grace coming through because 
I'm not right with God, or I'm not right with source, or I'm not right with love. I've been doing stuff I shouldn't have done, so why are they going to give me what I need and, 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 and my perfect outcome? I, more likely, I'm going to be punished or have what I need or want withheld from me again because I've been a bad boy or I haven't been good enough. So I'm either not right spiritually, and so I choose law and cause-effect over spirituality and grace, or I believe there is no spiritual, so it wouldn't make sense to count on grace because grace doesn't exist because there is no spirituality. It's all about what I can do with my willpower to create pleasure and avoid pain, or... I believe in the spiritual, and I'm trying to be right spiritually and plugged into God, plugged into source. But man, this might take six months. This might take a year. So I become impatient and act as a five-year-old to avoid pain or to secure pleasure, and all of a sudden, ten years later, I'm in this vicious cycle of addictions and destructive habits, and think, how in the world did this happen and can't get out? Well, to me, the solution starts at the end. So the end is, do I believe there's a spiritual reality or not? Do I believe there's a God or not? Do I believe there's a source, a spiritual source or not? If I do, I need to get plugged in to the spiritual. I need to get plugged into God. I need to get plugged in to source so that I can live by grace because grace always chooses love for the object of grace, and love would always choose grace for the object of love. Love is the proof of grace. Grace is the proof of love. So I need to choose the path of grace, spirituality, being patient and allowing grace and love and God to do what is best for me at the best time in regard to my pain and pleasure. Because, ladies and gentlemen, one thing I've learned is that sometimes I need pain. Sometimes the pain is the thing that keeps me rooted in the spiritual. It teaches me I can't do it on my own. Uh Sometimes when I lecture, I'll ask people, how many of you have ever had something happen like me? You know, everybody knows my story when Hope kicked me out of the house, said she couldn't stand to live with me anymore, and I thought it was the worst thing that had ever happened to me, and now I know and have known for a long time it's one of the best things that ever happened to me, and most likely I wouldn't be talking to you today if that had not happened, Okay. How many of you have had something like that happen that you thought was bad at the time and it was painful, but later 
you know it was good and exactly what you needed. When I ask that question, um, when I'm lecturing, every hand in the hall goes up. Well, to me, that means I need pain. That pain may be the gift that I need most. But do I believe in the spiritual? If I believe in it, then I need to get plugged into God, plugged into source, rightly, and then give up control to God, source, love for my best outcome every time, whether it seems that way at the time or not. And that enables me to be patient, to delay gratification, to choose what is right rather than what eliminates my pain or gives me pleasure. And it allows me to live in freedom from addiction and destructive habits. So take stock of where you are in that uh, paradigm this week. And if you have a destructive habit or addiction, you can almost take it to the bank. It boils down to a spiritual issue where you're either not believing in the spiritual or you're saying, I'm either not good enough or that's going to take too long. And I would encourage you that that is absolutely a lie. That is no SIBO, that is placebo in different situations, but it is not de facto. It is not the truth. The truth is, I believe, there is a God, there is a spiritual reality. You can plug into him and be rightly aligned and receive love and grace and what is just right for you at just the right time may not always seem like it at the time, but you will see it later. Rather than trying to take unhealthy control and force a certain outcome because you don't believe it's safe to trust, because your pain is too great and your lack of pleasure too much.